What does it mean today to be Ukrainian? Or rather, how does one's sense of being Ukrainian reflect on a life full of professional achievements and personal fulfillment? In speaking to 10 Canadian Ukrainians, we'll learn that life isn't merely about symbols, words, or traditions, but about how one's place in their community is enhanced and their sense of life enriched by having one foot firmly rooted in their past and the other stepping boldly forward into the present. This is the Ukrainian Connection, presented by Sound Lounge by T-Bone, with generous funding provided thanks to Ukrainian-Canadian Congress Saskatchewan and Saskatchewan Lotteries. Welcome to the program. My name is Paul Miazga. A licensed funeral director for 35 years, a lifelong farmer, part-time TV show host, but most widely known and recognized as the executive director of the Riversdale Business Improvement District, Randy Pshabilo wears many hats in his professional life. For certain, this dedicated civic booster wears his heart on his sleeve, having worked for the past 15 years promoting and supporting positive developments in Saskatoon's Riversdale commercial neighbourhood. And whether welcoming new business owners, advocating in favour of street fairs and upgraded landscaping, or appearing before City Council to give his two cents on a given topic, Randy is the eyes and ears of an area in resurgence and yet long recognised for its historic multi-ethnic character. Randy, otherwise known as the Mayor of Riversdale, welcome to the Ukrainian Connection. Glad to be here, Paul. Thank you. Before you be, uh, came to be known uh, affectionately as the mayor of Riversdale, you were and continue to be a licensed funeral home director, and all along you've been active in the farming community. Do these very different career paths intersect in any way, and if so, how? Actually, I would say that uh, when I look back at, at how everything fell into place, I, I saw that uh, well, I was born in, in Pleasant Hill in Saskatoon, and uh, we would go to the farm and uh, visit with all of the relatives. Um, both mom and dad's side uh, relatives were actively farming, uh, some mixed farming, some strictly grain. Uh, but I would say that, you know, generally speaking, seeing uh, nature up close and personal, we, we saw those uh, raw realities of, of uh, life. There was new life giving birth. Uh, there was new creation, seedlings, uh, you know, items emerging from the winter hibernation, uh, coming out of dormancy. And then there was the, uh, those harsh realities, you know, some necessary and uh, others cause for a little bit of pause in our understanding of the surroundings that we lived in. And, you know, we used to say it was a great day for fishing, but not so much for the warm that morning. Uh, there were crops that failed and, uh, you know, wildlife that succumbs to the laws of nature. You butcher animals that you've cared for, uh, stillborn livestock. Uh, you see patches of feathers and fur uh, in a field or uh, in a pasture, uh, kind of giving rise to the fact that something happened here. And uh, with many of our uh, elderly grandparents staying with their children, uh, you know, at the farm and, and in smaller towns, uh, you cared for Baba and Guido at, at home, and subsequently when those deaths occurred, they were uh, very close. We were present, uh, and it, it wasn't as foreign and as insulated as what we saw, uh, you know, growing up uh, in the 80s and 90s and into my teens. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was a, a bit of a an insular vacuum that I would say when we lived in the city as opposed to going out to the farm and uh, Crider, Hafford, Blaine Lake areas. Mm -hmm. uh, to visit with the families there and everybody else was the same. And, 
Uh, I can still remember, uh, you know, five years old going to St. George's Cathedral, uh, my first funeral, and, and it was, uh, I wouldn't say traumatic, but it was definitely sad. Uh, we all cried, uh, you know, five kids surviving in the Pitchco family, and uh, we walked past an open casket, paid our respects, we uh, had lunch, and then uh, the kids all went out and played, and, and that was all, all part of our day. So I would say that, you know, that growing up in that, and then uh, in 1980, uh, my dad's brother was killed in a, a mining accident in Thompson, mm -hmm. Manitoba. Uh, and that just seemed to flow with what I had experienced growing up and then, uh, you know, experiencing uh, going to tell uh, my grandmother that her son had died and, and the trauma that followed with that. Mm -hmm. So I would say that, uh, you know, that kind of put my mind at ease that all of the, the mysteries that we thought that were there in that funeral industry uh, was a, an honorable profession at that time. And it just seemed like a natural transition that uh, my, my level of interest, it was in the neighborhood where we lived, uh, the funeral home was uh, in Pleasant Hill. So it was uh, serving the community and a lot of our, our residential uh, members and, and families that we grew up with as I uh, grew into my twenties. So I, I started in, uh, September 1st of 81, working on 20th and Avenue N, and uh, this is my 40th year working on 20th Street proper. Wow. And uh, despite working in the uh, area for the last 15 years as the uh, bid uh, yeah, executive director, you've kept up your uh, funeral uh, director's license. Why is that? Well, it was an interest in, uh, you know, the, it was a lot of work to get, and I, I did uh, proudly represent uh, the industry and, and uh, the mm -hmm. funeral home uh, on the provincial level with uh, a couple of awards uh, provincially for, uh, you know, the, the leading apprentice and uh, best overall uh, student in that uh, mm -hmm. class. Okay. Uh, so a lot of work went into it. I, I very much enjoyed my time there and still uh, miss a lot of the families that uh, some still phone and, and ask for, you know, help or guidance with uh, some of their loved ones that have died or are facing okay. an imminent death. But, uh, you know, I still maintain my education credits uh, annually. We just finished two weeks ago, actually. Okay. And uh, it, it is good to stay on top of what's coming and in the, in the trends in the industry. Interesting. You're an astute observer of consumer behavior and pedestrian traffic patterns, among other things, given all the time you've spent on 20th Street. And for the past 15 years, uh, heading the Riversdale bid, you've seen the district go from sad sack to toes to the city and a sign of uh, revitalization and renewal uh, for Saskatoon. What exactly happened that made that uh, so? Uh, what challenges lie ahead for this area of the city? Well, I, I think, you know, the, the fact that if you talk to people in their 70s and 80s, uh, Walter Kohansky and, and Mary are a good example. Walter, uh, May 15th here, just uh, finished working 64 years on 20th Street. So wow. uh, when you talk to people like him and, and others who uh, have lived and worked in the area, what we're hearing repeatedly and, and photographs show it, uh, there are times when... Uh, you know, it's almost shoulder to shoulder, never mind in the stores, but the sidewalks are very full. Uh, so there's a number of theories in, in terms of 20th Street, the commercial corridor, uh, what may have happened with the removal of the CN tracks in, in the 60s, mm. uh, what may have happened with regards to uh, business improvement district or business district management. 
Uh, so we had the advent of the uh, the malls in the late 50s, early 60s. Yeah. So there's always still to this day a debate whether or not the malls were successful uh, because they're managed or because the uh, downtowns failed because they weren't managed. Okay. Uh, so what we're finding is uh, since 1990, uh, when Riversdale, uh, the, the business improvement district or the bid uh, was formed and it was caused largely by the cross traffic between uh, the Albany and Barry hotels and, and uh, crime uh, in the area. The, the downtown business improvement district and Broadway both started in 1986. Uh, so we were seeing a, a marked shift. And I would say that the true trough, if you would call it that, uh, was between 95 and 05. Uh, so the, the example that I would use, uh, the classic Roxy Theater is 90 years old this year. Oh. Uh, it was closed for just over 10 years and, and was destined for road base for the Circle Drive Bridge. Uh, we saw that open in 05, the Park Cafe. There was garden architecture and design uh, that still opened uh, before the Barry Hotel closed. Uh, so it was a bit of an inter interruption into some of the criminal activity that was happening here. Mm -hmm. uh, reinvestment into the public realm, uh, the streetscaping components that went in by the city that drew the pri private investment. Uh, and today we have, I, I would say, an average age of a, a business owner in, in this demographic here uh, would be late 30s. Oh, wow. That's actually much younger than I would have guessed. Yeah. Uh, that's, uh, that definitely tells quite the story then, uh, given um, the uh, younger traffic you definitely see in the area for sure then. Um, yeah, and I think, uh, you know, it's important that when we look at, at the diversity index of the neighborhood, uh, it, it has one of the highest, if not the highest, uh, uh, diversity indexes measured across the city. Uh, so with English as a mother tongue being number one, the second would be uh, any Asian languages, Mandarin and Cantonese, uh, some Vietnamese as well, uh, that ranks uh, a close second. So when we looked at the strengths that we had back in 1999, uh, we thought that celebrating the Chinese New Year would be a way to embrace uh, the Asian culture that was here in, in large numbers still today mm -hmm. uh, and, and bring back some celebratory uh, message from this neighborhood because at the end of the day, we were seeing that there were a lot of good news stories still happening here amidst uh, all the strife that we were uh, encountering. Uh, and when you focused on the good, uh, what you're seeing, the results of today started with that. Yeah, it's interesting, especially when you mentioned the Asian community. I mean, the Golden Dragon, uh, even the building is no more. The Wakwa is gone. Uh, um, Toon's Kitchen, a uh, number of the uh, very well-known uh, Chinese restaurants from uh, days past are gone. Uh, all the, uh, well, we still have the Mandarin, and uh, there are a couple of other smaller uh, joints along the city, but Odd Couple has come along and really filled uh, part of that niche. You know, it's interesting how uh, that uh, has played such a role and for a long time, too. It, it seems to uh, have followed. And, and if I do, uh, you know, every year we have heritage projects that uh, we research. And I also sit on the city's uh, Municipal Heritage Advisory Committee. And, and that's a, a learning curve as well. Mm. And what we were finding was that as the waves of immigrants came through Canada and, and through to the West and into Saskatoon, with the uh, immigrant landing or immigrant house uh, where the present day farmer's market uh, building is on Avenue A, uh, 19th Street, uh, mm -hmm. many of the, the back uh, 
outdoor residents that uh, would come off the train and uh, you know look to rejoin some of their relatives who had moved here in, in years before. Uh, we're living in some more affordable accommodations here in Riversdale and uh, it's no secret that uh, you know Dr. Willoughby and, and company uh, built Riversdale for profit and not for pleasure. And it was meant with the uh, unusually small lot sizes and smaller houses, boarding houses. Uh, and, and the fact that the, the train and the back end of the uh, uh, train station, uh, we have a lot of uh, remnants of the old industrial area where, you know, the, the coal and lumber and, and uh, wheat and so on were uh, traded uh, west of Avenue A or Idlewild Drive. Uh, present day. Uh, so when we start to look at that and, and when we look at the, the roots of, uh, you know, the first Jewish synagogue is uh, still standing on 21st and Avenue F. Mm -hmm. uh, we have uh, two of the Ukrainian uh, cathedrals, uh, Holy Trinity Orthodox on uh, 20th and J and St. George's Ukrainian Catholic uh, Cathedral on uh, Avenue M, 200 block. Uh, these are still the, the centers of the eparchy for uh, Saskatchewan uh, and, mm -hmm. and still demonstrate those threads. We look at the Russian Baptist Church, uh, Ukrainian Baptist, and uh, some of these other uh, Chinese Mennonite churches that were here. Mm -hmm. uh, the buildings are still standing, and it's interesting to see uh, people get involved and do research on those projects, call this office, uh, wanting to know which direction to go and where, who can help them uh, with some of those stories almost a librarian of a sort or a historian uh, in addition to everything else you do in terms of business promotion. Well, I'm old, Paul. <laughs> um, your American wife, Tammy, uh, probably keeps you a bit younger and she spent some time sailing. Uh, she once described uh, to me life out on the farm with you as being almost identical to being out on the ocean owing to the silence. There's no one around for kilometers in any direction and the need to be self-reliant. Does this ring true for you uh, regarding uh, the farm? What, what keeps you involved in farming and living in rural Saskatchewan? Well, I, when, uh, you know, we have our conversations and I go and, and uh, she's from Palm Springs, California and, uh, you know, lived in San Diego and, and Los Angeles, done some work in that Southern California region. So uh, visiting and, and seeing where she grew up and, uh, experiencing, uh, looking at the same things that she uh, did as a child growing up as an adolescent and uh, that that whole uh, movie star playground of Palm Springs, mm -hmm. uh, going to the ocean uh, to get away from it all. Yes, I can see the similarities of the waves in the ocean and the waves in the field. Uh, it, I just don't understand going up and down 35-foot swells, how that uh, <laughs> transcends into... Uh, something fairly pleasant, but uh, I do appreciate those things that she points out to me. Uh, and then when we are here, it was interesting that, you know, we were driving one day and, and because, you know, the desert environment, they may get two inches of rain a year. Uh, and, and she just, I wouldn't say screamed out loud, but certainly in a loud voice said, you know, puffy clouds. And I, <laughs> <laughs> didn't know what that was all about and and to not see those every day but to appreciate those simple things uh like the clouds uh was interesting so uh yeah we we do appreciate each other's backyards and and see uh, beauties in in different ways so i may look at the sand and 
sand dunes and sand drifts uh, in a way. And she says that the, the snow glistens like diamonds. And I always tell her she's welcome to go shovel the diamonds off the driveway. And <laughs> we uh, agree to disagree. But uh, I would say that uh, the farming involvement, uh, you know, I was there all the time in, in the summer uh, at my uncle's place, uh, and the family band uh, playing old time music and whatever rock and roll was in the 60s uh, that we could play with a violin and a banjo and uh, a guitar and fiddle. Um, we were we were active in that community, weddings, anniversaries, birthdays, uh, Friday, Saturday nights, basically every weekend. Uh, so there were always uh, school nights uh, with practice and then uh, band uh, at uh, the weddings in some of the smaller towns and some venues in the city. But our, our land has, uh, the one parcel has been in the family since 1916 and the other uh, since 1927. Uh, and, and some of the buildings are still intact and I'm working uh, as hard as I can to try and uh, salvage uh, what I can. And it's it's amazing how much punishment a, uh, a, a sod and lud, log plastered building, mud plastered building uh, can withstand. Uh, so I, I would say that, you know, I, I experienced those tremendous highs of uh, monster crops and uh, tremendous yields. Uh, and I've also cried with, uh, you know, two years of not turning a combine wheel. Uh, mm-hmm drought. Uh, I've lost buildings to fire and uh, can't count on two hands the number of break and enters. So we, we do uh, experience those things uh, annually and we look forward to spring and fall and uh, the, the winter hibernation. But uh, it awakens a, a corner of my mind, so to speak, that uh, you know people say what they want about picking stones, but I <laughs> absolutely love it. And uh, it it's a little bit of a physical exercise. And I know that when I had been back to Ukraine, I've only been there twice, but to go back to my mom's father's uh, original homestead where the, uh, the Russian government had seized their land. They were the largest landowners uh, in the uh, area with uh, 80 hectares. So about 160 acres mm-hmm. uh, that was seized from them. Uh, and every family was given two acres as a, a garden uh, that they could try and sustain their families. And, and it was an emotional time uh, to go and see that and then try and compare, you know, what I saw there with the rolling hills of uh, Crider and Hafford and, and how that must have felt. And it was interesting that uh, you know, Savella Statistician, uh, some may recognize that name, uh, that uh, she remembered uh, the send-off for our family uh, when they uh, left uh, their village in 1910. She wow. was about seven or eight years old. And uh, I have that on tape somewhere. And and Peter Luchka that uh, started Luna Metals on uh, 20th Street, uh, they've since mm-hmm. moved, but uh, came from the same village as well. So interesting. Uh, when you hear all of those stories, I mean, you've been there and you've physically seen uh, how they lived and some parts of the buildings that are still there after 150 years. Uh, I just feel more grounded and connected to, you know, my past, and I'm very comfortable seeing where I came from. Oh, that's very interesting uh, to have that connection and to have kept it and have 
even uh, recordings of uh, people sending, being part of the sending off committee. That's interesting. Uh, for some years now, you've been hosting a Q&A show on Shaw Cable called Connect, uh, where you speak with various people in Saskatoon about their work and professional lives. How did this come about and who have been some of your favorite guests on the show? Well, I, I, I would say that they couldn't find anyone good, so they asked me. <laughs> <laughs> and I was available, so I, I volunteered uh, to host that show. And I, I'm not sure how many seasons, seven or eight years, so a number of seasons with that. Uh, and I prefer to, to focus on those coffee, water cooler kind of conversations that uh, don't get a lot of ice time on, on the regular mainstream, mainstream media. I, I think they focus and uh, do a very good job on the negative news. I'm I'm staying with my focus on uh, those nuggets out there, uh, whether it be uh, people uh, have come here from another country and and uh, started a business, or uh, what their life transition is like, uh, as I have experienced going to other countries, and how do you manage a language? You know, if uh, my grandfather came here, couldn't speak the language, made an X for his name, and uh, learned to read and write his own name, which is a, a major accomplishment in another language for some. Especially uh, as an adult. <laughs> and, and fled from the country with a knife and fork is, uh, in 1913 with the revolution. Uh, so, in a long story short, I guess Bob Baker with Shaw had asked if I would consider... Uh, doing some volunteering because uh, Shaw was covering at great length a lot of the positive stories coming out of Riversdale uh, with the new uh, investment and development, mm -hmm. uh, vacant buildings being rescued. Uh, and I thought, you know, if, if they will have me, I will do what I can to help. Uh, but I, I know that we just did a, an interview with uh, Frank Atchison that uh, is 94 years old as a Shriner uh, for 50 years, he's uh, walking to Regina. Uh, by June 15th, he will be 95 on June 15th and receive his 50-year uh, pin for the Shrine Club, uh, raising money, uh, walking 150 miles for the Jim Patterson Hospital as well as the Shriners Hospital in Montreal. Uh, I find you know an item like that fascinating. I, I've had a violinist in his teens that... Uh, you know, literally blowing everything out of the water with his, his talent. Uh, we did the mayoral farm. We were the only uh, live and uh, video feed that hosted the mayors uh, in that uh, type of form. And I think that's important for people uh, to see. We wish we would have had more time for uh, council, uh, 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 I guess, People who were running for council candidates. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there was a, an investor by the name of Chris Lefebvre out of uh, Victoria, BC, that came in and, and bought uh, land near the old AL coal site. Uh, that was just a, a happen chance meeting uh, for me personally with him coming to my office. We hit it off, and uh, three years later, there's a forty million dollar investment into our city, of which there was a whole lineup of one applicant, and that was him. Uh, so it was great to hear some perspective of an immigrant from England that came here with $80 in his pocket and uh, turns himself into a significant uh, property developer. And, and I think you know, Marilyn Whitehead was another one that comes to mind uh, with the Fireside Singers, who's been mm -hmm. 
giving back to the community and, and uh, selling out show after show, year after year. Indeed. Uh, Christmas and other uh, shows. But I, I find that part of it very interesting. Oh, right on. Um, speaking of your Ukrainian background, going back to that, you still speak the language. Uh, you have uh, have relatives uh, in Ukraine. You've been there a couple of times, as you've mentioned. You raised your children with a strong sense of their culture. Um, your late father, as you mentioned, played a pivotal role in all this. Tell us more about your father and his role in your life and in theirs and how that um, helps you uh, express and reflect on your heritage. Well, that, that's a fascinating question, Paul. Thanks for asking that because it, uh, Dad died about three years ago now. Uh, and it was ironic, you know, it was a sudden passing, so it wasn't as though we had to hurry up and do a bunch of things. But uh, there was one afternoon where he started talking about his uh, teaching uh, story uh, to our, our children. We have four kids that have gone through the Ukrainian bilingual program. Uh, and it was largely because of what uh, I had grown up with. Uh, and you mentioned the funeral directing story. And what I was experiencing was that when we made funeral arrangements, we would ask people uh, for vital statistics uh, and the death registration. What was the uh, deceased's parents' names and mother's maiden name and where were they born? And all too often, I would say 40, 45% of the time we would hear I don't know. She, we just called her Baba. She lived in St. Julian. We don't know if he was born and <laughs> Guido, Guido lived in uh, Altacane and that's where he grew up. I, I don't know where he was born. And it was those kinds of questions that started uh, kind of planting the seeds for, you know, where am I from and, and what's my language? Uh, but English was the only language spoken at, in my house. There was just my brother, uh, Sonny and myself, and uh, the reason English was only spoken, and it used to kind of, quite frankly, piss me off that I couldn't understand that my mom and dad were talking in another language. And I knew they were talking about me, whether it was school, because I'd hear Shkola, mm -hmm. uh, and I knew what, you know, eating was with Easter. But uh, I always found it frustrating that they would revert to Ukrainian, and I didn't understand it. Uh, and, and it was at that time, uh, something that I didn't get. But uh, it was a couple of years ago that dad said that when he went to a teacher's college, I think they called it normal school. Uh, it was on Wild Drive, I think where the Scion uh, College uh, convent uh, is and was. But uh, it was interesting when, you know, my brother was in the Air Force and lived in Europe and uh, Germany uh, married a girl from Holland, so he was fluent in Low German and in Dutch. Uh, spoke some French. They were right on the border, uh, and later uh, moved to Hong Kong. Uh, managed to butcher his way around some of the Mandarin uh, there to converse. But uh, we put our kids in uh, the Ukrainian bilingual program and Ukrainian dancing, and uh, it was then that Dad. Uh, told us because his middle initial was Z and we started to uncover a bunch of things that uh, trying to you know we've heard the unfortunate stories of uh, the residential schools and, and we've heard of uh, them wanting to beat the Indian out of the child mm -hmm. uh, but what do you call it when uh, Slavic peoples move to this country and 
my father's given name was Zoni or Zonpo. And because of the ridicule and everything that he endured, he changed his name to Ronald. Uh, and when he signed up for normal school to be a teacher, uh, they went to uh, Saskatoon here. There's, as, as he told it from my notes that I wrote at that time, because I, I was totally floored, uh, they had about 300 students in the school uh, becoming teachers, and Dad was with 15 students from uh, German, French, Ukrainian, and Russian backgrounds. Uh, so they had about 135 English as a second language students mm -hmm. uh, were given six weeks to improve their English or face expulsion uh, from the teacher's college, and there went the prospects of a job. So they had uh, 10 instructors that provided intensive language instruction, uh, making them uh, stand in front of the mirrors and, and practice loosening their face muscles and, and expressions. So uh, enunciating their words, we always used to joke, do you, do you spell, you know, vodka with a we or a W? Because <laughs> that was what they had grown up with, uh, with Ukrainian as the mother tongue. Uh, so he had problems with, uh, words like well and, and wheel, and wheel and wheel apostrophe E-L, W-E apostrophe L-L, and then mm -hmm. wheel as in you'll go to school and well, yeah. uh, pronouncing but and bot. So uh, I would like to play bot, I can't come out. Uh, little and lethal, uh, body and buddy. Mm -hmm. Who, who's, your, who's your body? Uh, so their their pronunciation with the V's and W's, uh, wary and very, as another example. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember him saying that the Germans used to confuse or say mit instead of with. So after uh, six weeks of that, 100 students uh, had passed and another 35 or so quit that class in 1949-50. So to that end, uh, mom and dad wanted to ensure in no uncertain terms that we were never subjected as kids to what they had gone through, uh, that English at all costs was full stop. Uh, we would not speak Ukrainian at home lest we jeopardize our futures. Uh, so it was uh, just a bittersweet moment uh, to be with him in the hospital and to uh, you know meet our physician that was giving us the lab results and what the doctors were going to try and do but neither one of us would understand what the procedures were because of the uh, the thick accent that we couldn't understand uh, that physician. So it was just uh, one of those things where, you know, we, we look back in, in history and, and the names and, uh, you know, our, our name started out as Prevelo. Uh, and then when the Polish uh, domination uh, came through uh, Western Ukraine, uh, they changed the name to Bzhivewa and also changed the name of the town from Todorkowicz to Federiusi uh, to reflect the, the domination of the Polish uh, government at that time. Uh, consequently, when they uh, landed in Halifax, uh, seeing the name Shibewa, uh, I wouldn't say we're stuck with the name Shibailo, but uh, that's the, the skinny on that and, and how we ended up to be with that uh, uh Buy me a buy me a vowel last name that we. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of uh, wheel of fortune there, honestly.
I think that's the uh, definitely the experience of many uh, Ukrainians, Poles, and Russians uh, who've come from that part of uh, the world. Um, I even have my own uh, experience in that regard, where my dad and uh, grand Polish grandmother never wanted to speak Polish around uh, us, so we had. Uh, just English around the house as the language of commerce and the last name, uh, I pronounce my last name Miazga because in Ukrainian as in Polish and other European languages, there's no long I sound. And after living in Ukraine for a while, I went back to uh, pronouncing it as Miazga, whereas everyone else in my family to this day still has it as Miazga. So not as much of a change as uh, from yours, certainly, but uh uh, definitely reflective of you know the need to change and uh, Canadianize oneself. That's for sure. Exactly. Thank you for taking the time to chat with us today, Randy. It's uh, been a unique pleasure. Appreciate that, Paul. Do it anytime. We've been speaking with Randy Shabilo, the executive director of the Riversdale Business Improvement District and host of the Shaw TV program Connect. Thank you to our presenting sponsor, Sound Lounge by T-Bone, and thank you to Ukrainian-Canadian Congress Saskatchewan and Saskatchewan Lotteries for their generous funding support of the program. Listen. It's what we're hoping for every day of our audience, our business superfans, even our friends and our family, that they listen to who we are, to what we are. But it only happens when your message is delivered well in a memorable way. How does Sound Lounge do this for you and your business? Through radio ads, audio for your videos, recording your podcasts, or helping with voiceover for your events. Find T-Bone online at thesoundlounge.ca. Sound Lounge by T-Bone.